Hey, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about Sleepless in Seattle? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So last week we had a little bit of trouble with our audio. This week we just decided to go back to Zoom because yeah, we don't, know, we don't know what we're doing apparently. <laughs> well, it's just this <clears throat> technology breach that I can't seem to cross. So, you know, Zoom works good. And, and now that we're vaccinated, we can hang out in person. So that's true. That's nice. True. I see a kitty. There's the kitty. He's come to just chill. So last night I slept for 14 hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. I you were tired. Much, I pretty much like went to like, the, I had like, like overall it was, it was 14 hours, but um there were like times in between where i was awake for like 30 minutes or like a couple hours or whatever but yeah overall i slept for 14 hours i was like i don't even know and the thing is like i could have slept for longer you know what i mean if you would have hopped on a plane you could have <laughs> easily gotten past the whole trip to like tokyo or something yeah i know yeah, yeah. i was just like passed out i don't I don't know why. I have been sleeping fine. I've been sleeping like a regular schedule, you know, like about seven, eight hours a night. And I just last night, I was just like, I just want to sleep. That's all I want to do. And so that's what I did. So I guess I needed it or something because, you know. Do you feel refreshed? I do. I do feel refreshed. It's a nice amount of time to, uh, to you know, snooze. <laughs> Yeah, I had like four stress dreams last night and really? some of them were like, I have this issue with, with dreams sometimes, uh, particularly stress dreams. And I used to have it a lot when I worked at the theater where all night long, and I'm, I'm not being hyperbolic, it was hours all night after like a long busy shift in my dreams, I would be selling people tickets over oh, and no. over and over again. And, and sometimes it would just go on and on and I would wake up, fall asleep and go back into the dream. And oh, no. I think it's because there's a certain level of like hypnotism with just doing the same thing over and over again, you know, yeah. but also every once in a while, if I have a stress dream, it like clings to my brain. And I, even if I wake up, I'll go back to sleep and be back in it. And that happened last night there was like a monster attacking the city. I'm going to be brief because I like hearing about people's dreams, but I know that there's a lot <laughs> of people who are just like humorless about it. So I'll be brief. There was a monster attacking the city. So we all had to go to this refugee. Wait, like camp. our city? Yeah. I mean, in the dream, it was our city, but it didn't like look like Grand Rapids. It was just like, it was right. home city, home city USA in my dream, you know? Right. We had to go to this refugee camp and the refugee camp was in this like school for um, like punk teenagers, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. so they just were like corralling us all there and I couldn't find Mike. I couldn't find my family and this woman who looked like uh, 
Fortune Feimster was there and she was okay. like a, a guard. Maybe it's Feimster. Fortune Feimster, the comedian. Right, yeah. But, um, she was like a guard at this school and I said to her that I had to go to the bathroom and she said, okay, well, the bathroom's in here and you have to go right now because you have we have to do lights out. And I was like, uh-oh, this seems more like a prison than a refugee camp right now. And then I get to the bathroom and the stall was made for little children so I couldn't fit in it. Oh, which was no. a frequent, like a frequent stress dream of mine is going to the bathroom when there's people all around. Right. Yeah. No, I get those. My dreams are like trying to find a bathroom and the toilet's always like in the middle of the town center. Yep. And I'm like, why? Yep. <laughs> I just need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And then there was a group of teenage boys there and they were all looking at me and I said to them like this might scar you because <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom with the door open right to fit and then I had another dream later in the night where I had these like big holes in my neck oh my they God. looked kind of like bug bites but they weren't bug bites but they were gigantic it was a really gross dream it was disgusting and I, I was like balding in patches and I went out to tell my mom I was like what are these sores on my neck and my mom said oh well that's because you went to bed with a, a wet neck but it'll heal but in the dream I was like what if they just keep getting bigger it was a so stressful <laughs> And then there, there were two more, but I can barely remember them. That's alarming. Were they like vampire bites? Uh, no, it was because I went to bed with a wet neck, Lauren. Didn't you listen to my mom's <laughs> diagnosis? <laughs> it was a really gross dream. I'm not going to tell you the details because I don't want anybody to hear the details. Okay. But it was really gross. It was an unpleasant <laughs> dream. And I usually don't have body horror dreams. Usually it's like going to the bathroom in public or right. in, a, in a building and I in a school and I can't find where I'm going or I've skipped too many classes and I'm not going to graduate like those are my normal stress dreams so like having weird body stuff is very unusual for me do you have gross body dreams um not really no I don't usually have a lot of body horror dreams um I'm not that I can think of anyway they're usually like well, I mean, I've told you about my dreams. Some of them are like really weird and whimsical and then some others are like super intense and like fucked up and like gory. So I don't know. It's it kind of just, you know, I, I didn't, <laughs> I probably jumped last night, but I don't remember any of my dreams. So, I mean, you know. But, yeah. 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 So I watched an interesting documentary this week and I wanted to okay. mention it. It's called Kid 90. Okay. And it was by Soleil Moon Fry. And it was pretty fascinating because she sort of obsessively videotaped like almost every aspect of her growing up years, her adolescence. And she had a lot of footage of 90s teen stars who kind of stayed in the 90s, but then also like stars like Mark Wahlberg and Leonardo DiCaprio who became mega stars. And I thought that aspect of the movie was very fascinating just to see all this old footage mm -hmm. and also quite a few child stars committed suicide like after the 90s yeah. like in the early 2000s like jonathan brandis who i had a very big crush on in elementary school did you you might were jonathan you too young for brandis. him he was in sequest i've never even heard you of might sequest. you might be just on the cusp of being too young for him because i feel like i was in like third or fourth grade when he was like cute He's in the movie Ladybugs. 
hold on i'm gonna look him up oh yeah he doesn't i don't yeah he, he was on the scene for a very brief period of time and um yeah like his career didn't really pan out like he was very famous like i said for probably those few years and then sort of disappeared and in um oh he was in the original it i did see that Oh, okay. oh, and he was in the original Never or the second Never Ending Story. So yes. I, I have seen him mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't think he was cute when I, um, because in the second Never Ending Story, he was kind of a shit. He was kind of a piece of shit. But yeah, but he was in the original. So I, I have seen him and stuff. I just he was like a kid, you know, and I was a kid too. So yeah, and there were other actors and. I think another actress that they mentioned just a lot of suicide because the industry is so cruel and when you're a kid and you don't have that thick skin, you know? Yeah, for sure. Also, I think just like getting a taste of fame and then not being able to keep tasting it for lack of a better Well, analogy. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's one well, also like it's at a time in your life where like it's the most formative years and your brain is like really starting to develop. So you don't, I think you don't really like understand really what you're going through. And then I think it's, it's just like, I think it really messes with your head. I think it, I think it, um, kind of like hinders your development, your brain development a little bit, having that level of fame, because you're so used to like everyone being like, oh, I'm going to, you know, well, you know, bend over backwards in order to appease you or whatever. And so then I think you just you just get to a point where you're like, oh, yeah, the rest of my life isn't going to be like that. So why bother? You know? Yeah. Like everybody loved me a year ago and now I, no I can't find a friend. Yeah. yeah. So the movie, I think, I don't know if I call it a must watch the documentary. Um, I definitely enjoy old footage, especially old footage of people who were on the verge of superstardom and didn't know it, or people that I grew up with that I, you know, I know who they are and I remembered them from that time period and like seeing what their lives were like when I, you know, like I only saw them on movies and TV, but seeing what their lives were like outside of those things is very fascinating. So if you like old footage and if you, if you grew up in the nineties and these stars would be familiar to you, then I would recommend it but I, I don't know if it's like the it's not the greatest documentary i've ever seen it was interesting anyway to see yeah that does sound i've heard of that before um i read something that she had done like i think i read like an article they were talking about how obsessive she was with recording like every aspect of her life and it's it's pretty impressive yeah um, and she she yeah. alleges in the movie she alleges that she just liked capturing things it wasn't like she i don't think they ever said like i knew that someday these guys would be famous and i'd have this footage or i knew that i was getting footage of famous people it was more just like i liked capturing i was sent like she was like sentimental she liked cap she took diaries and she recorded all of her voice messages she just you know she just liked logging things and i think that that's a pretty interesting trait and it seems legit. Like, I don't think she was lying. I think she actually just really did like collecting right. things like that. And I think that that's pretty cool. And I, which goes hand in hand with, I saw somebody, I saw a post recently. It was like a tweet that somebody reposted 
and it said like take pictures even if your friends complain and groan and people don't want to be in pictures take pictures because you're never going to regret having pictures and I totally agree with that like yeah take as much note of things that you can you know right yeah no I I get it um so on a kind of darker note <laughs> that that podcast that I was talking about cold that's about the the first season about the disappearance of Susan Powell so the like there's three people that are they're really focused on in the podcast and that's Susan her husband Josh and then his uh father Steve and they're they were all like really good about like recording their thoughts down and everything so it made like an extra interesting podcast because then you're actually hearing recordings of like josh talk well it's not really talking as much as it's droning on and on about how great of a guy he is and it's an interesting podcast but i think that that's like kind of along the lines of what you were saying is that it would have not been quite as interesting if it wasn't for all that stuff that they had recorded you know of their daily lives you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah exactly so are you ready to talk about the movie? I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, my, my temporary supervisor at work, Joelle. She had requested that we do this movie for her. So I hope you don't hate us by the end, <laughs> So tell me, what did you think of the movie? I think this might be one of the worst movies ever made. okay what what did you think so you know how i've told you or i've sent you clips of um of rosa and jason manzoukas's character from brooklyn 99 oh yes yeah about nancy myers and how much they love nancy myers and don't like nora efron (laughs) yes well um after seeing this movie i can totally understand why they flip out about that because nora efron truly is the poor man's nancy myers (laughs) yeah well i have so many i have so many problems with this movie and the thing is like a year ago i watched sleepless in seattle because i remembered it being a big deal when i was a kid and i also watched you've got mail and they both have problems but You've Got Mail is more of a legitimate love story. The two characters, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, like know each other and they start out sort of adversarial, but then they grow to love each other, which is sort of a classic combination for a romantic movie, you know? Big time trope, yeah. And that movie is not a perfect movie. It has lots of little problems that I don't care for necessarily, but the movie as a whole, I can buy into it because it's- believable and kind of sweet the way they fall in love because they sort of reluctantly fall in love but in sleepless in seattle i don't know if meg ryan is the worst female character ever created but she's very close and i have no empathy and no sympathy for her not one bit in the movie and i it's almost as if Everybody who watched this this film after it was made, before it was released, was just like a bunch of yes people. And nobody spoke up and said, hold on a second. We've just created a very unlikable character and a very strange and nonsensical movie. And it's very weird that it got as big. Because I think it's rated pretty highly on Rotten Tomatoes as well. 
Let me see. I'm curious now. I feel like, because I was ranting about it to Mike. He hasn't watched it, but I was ranting about it to him. And I think he looked it up and said it was like 75%. And I said, what? Let's see here. I'm pulling it up right now. It says that it is, yep, 75%, both audience and, um, and like, you know, professional reviews. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I do think though, Tom Hanks really shines. I think like there were some scenes that I thought he did a tremendous job and I liked him, but, and I just think the Meg Ryan story needed a total like a page one rewrite like yeah re- for you sure know. so no, what I, were you what are your thoughts <laughs> um well my let's see my initial thought was when she's listening to this story and she's driving is sure yeah i've heard you know like sad stories on the radio before of course i have um but normally what i do is i let it affect me whatever way it affects me in an appropriate manner. And then I move on with my life. I don't fucking stalk the guy and hire a private detective to track this dude down and then fly to his house. Like, I mean, I think that it was, um, I think it was, I agree with you. I don't think Meg Ryan Annie is her name. I don't think she's a particularly like likable character because her first thought isn't to be like, oh, that's sad. I'm just going to move on with my life. Her, thirst, her first thought is like, I know I'm engaged, but I think I, like to this pretty nice, wonderful guy. I mean, sure, he's like allergic to everything, which is kind of sucky, but, you know, um, and, and like give up my whole life for someone I've never met is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I mean, it's like, why would you do that? Like, you don't like if you're not feeling your marriage or you're not feeling like you want to get married to this guy, that's totally acceptable. That's, you know, like, end the relationship, let him move on, let him be with someone that's actually going to treat him right, and, you know, do your own thing. But to listen to a radio station and then have the, and that your response ends up being that you are going to end up stalking this person down is an insane and really unhealthy way of like pursuing what you're like, what you're assuming that you're going to end up being in a relationship with this guy. Like he doesn't even know you, you don't know him. You don't know what he looks like except for, you know, when she hires a private detective. So yeah, no, I, I didn't find Annie to be um, really compelling. And I think if it had been a movie that was like, uh, it's supposed to be creepy, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that works. Like fatal attraction shit. Love it. Let's right. do it. I love a hot, crazy, psycho <laughs> female character. But this is like, the thing is that like this is painting it as a picture of like, like, no, no, no. This is romantic. Like, no, this is not romantic. This is not romantic. It's the same idea of like, let's say you went to go get your oil changed at the Jiffy Lube and the Jiffy Lube guy decided to write down your number and then text you later. Like, no, that's inappropriate. Don't do that. That's not acceptable for you to do that. And it makes me feel unsafe. So, you know, I mean, it's just like how, 
like her reaction to this whole thing is to just like stalk this guy down because she heard some sort of fucking story on the radio like let's calm down here a second does she do that with every guy who's like story touches her on the radio because it's the reason why it didn't work out with walter you know (laughs) and that's something that that's probably my bit one of my biggest grievances in the movie is poor walter because Mm -hmm. they could have i mean I think the movie could have been improved by maybe just not making her be in a relationship and or making her be in a casual relationship or making her be in a relationship with an asshole. Something that makes me root for her to be like, yeah, girl, find something better. But Walter had no faults. I mean, she even like, she even like insulted him. So in New York, he gives her this beautiful Tiffany diamond ring Oh yeah, that and was she, well. No, it was his. It was like his mother's ring or his grandmother's ring. Well, he still gave it to her. Right, right. But what I'm saying is that it's not like he he didn't get it from Tiffany's. It was in a blue box. You don't think I know, it was but from he Tiffany's? Said, he said it was from his mother, his grandmother. I mean, it, they could have gotten it from Tiffany's. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, go on. He gives her this beautiful diamond ring. Anyway, yes, I agree. It was very and, beautiful. She looks at it and she said, oh, it's so beautiful. I, this is exactly what I would have gotten if I had designed it myself. See, I don't need any surprises. I don't need anything fun and surprising in my relationship. Just give me old and comfortable. And I thought, like, she's a real bitch. Like, he gave her this. This yeah. ring is probably worth $5,000 or more. Oh, Could be $10,000, 15000 he yeah. gave her this ring that's presumably a family heirloom. She doesn't ever say thank you. She insults him and calls their relationship boring mm-hmm. when really nothing about the relationship is boring. He's the one who said, hey, I'm going to be in New York, so why don't we have a romantic weekend in the city? So right. plan this romantic, which is an impromptu kind of surprising, fun romantic weekend, so he's not boring. No. I, and I, it just... And then... He's not good enough for her. And all through the movie, she expresses his sentiment like, isn't Walter great? I wish I could marry Walter. And I was like, well, then just marry him or break up with him. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand the problem with him, except for the fact is, like you said, if you're not feeling it anymore, that's one thing. But in a movie where in real life, relationships are so complicated. But in a movie where I'm watching this woman supposedly falling in love with somebody she's never met she knows nothing about you're you not you're not even him. falling in love with someone it's just an obsession yeah you, you need to make her know current, you need to make her current partner unlikable otherwise yeah. it's really hard for me to feel something for her you yeah. know like yeah. the complexities of human relationships within a movie are not that complex show me he's a jerk Show me he's a bad partner or just make her single because I don't root for her if I'm just like, what is, what's, what's going on here? Right. Well, and I think that they tried and I'm using um, air quotes when I say that. I think that they tried to make him unlikable by like making him allergic to a bunch of shit and like <laughs> Becky didn't like him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was pretty obvious that Becky didn't like him, but I really liked Rosie O'Donnell. Becky, Becky played by Rosie O'Donnell. I actually <laughs> I really too. liked her character. Every time, funny. 
Annie said the name Walter, Becky would like turn up her nose. <laughs> she would like roll her eyes. She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. The ice, I would say like, I do have to say though, and I wrote this down, that when they are meeting uh, her family or whatever, and he's meeting them for the first time, and he sneezes all over the table. I was like really bummed out by that. Like I was like, okay, you should break up with him. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. But um, still, like, that was really gross. And, like, cover your mouth, dude. Like, please. You know, like, and, and it's just, and everyone was just fine with it. But I really, other than that, I mean, other than that, you know, grievous mistake that he made of sneezing all over the table, which is disgusting, and I'll never look past. But um, there was really like he seemed like he was a nice guy like he seemed like he was a decent guy he seemed like he really cared about her and it's bill pullman so i'm like what's wrong because bill pullman's adorable and i love him and like everyone loves bill pullman so honestly well, she doesn't <laughs> no she does not love bill pullman like would i choose tom hanks over bill pullman no i would choose bill pullman over bill pullman <laughs> no over tom hanks but like um i i I completely agree with you that it's like there's nothing about him other than sneezing on the table that is really bad or really like a reason to be like I'm like it's not like what you said real life relationships are so complicated and there's so many different factors whatever but we're not watching a real life relationship unfold we're watching a movie relationship unfold so it doesn't seem like to us, to the viewers, that there's any real legit reason for her to break up with this guy other than she's not feeling it, which is, is like totally fine if she's not. However, if you're not feeling it and then you're going around behind his back and you're trying to figure out this guy, like that just makes you sound like a psycho, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it, it <laughs> I, I know. There's just, yeah, there's just not enough. Yeah. For us to say yeah her and tom hanks should definitely be together not for yeah. me at least like and no. i think that the walter storyline really bothered me really really bothered me because i, I think that rom romance quote unquote romance at the detriment of torturing somebody else is not romantic no no and like there's always <laughs> I just, I really empathized with him because I was like, he didn't do. do anything wrong. He just loved her and he wanted to marry her. And she heard a voice on the radio and decided that you weren't good enough for her. And I think that that's really sad. That's so sad. It's sad. And it's also, it, it's also, it, it's just like, where's her head? You know, where's her head at? Like she is like in as I'm viewing this as the viewer, my mind is that she's not right in the head because her first instinct is <laughs> true. <laughs> you laughing made me laugh. I, I, think, I don't think I could do a better review than she's not right in the head. <laughs> I think you said it all. Podcast over. All right, we're done. <laughs> Follow us on um, um no, I, I mean, she's definitely not right in the head because her first instinct isn't like, it's fine to feel, to feel sad over a story that you hear. You know, I hear stories all the time that I feel sad over, but I don't 
like obsessively obsess over them you know what I mean so it's it's just it's like you're giving up your entire life for someone that you you don't know what they look like you don't know how they behave in person you don't know if you're even going to be attracted to them they could be like just because they talk nice on the radio does not mean that they're nice in person they could be a total piece of shit and it's like oh it's cute that he is a kid guess what it's not that hard to make a child okay like i hate to tell you a lot of people have kids that should not have children so it's like you like you're that's what your entire like empathetic response is based on is this guy that you heard for like maybe i don't know like 20 minutes to an hour on the radio and then you're gonna just give up your entire life and and, just, and the part the scene <laughs> the scene where she's driving and she hears his story so there's a couple moments when she's listening to it where she responds to the radio host and tom hanks responds and they respond with the same word you know uh-huh, and she yeah. like looks at the radio like oh my gosh it's kismet we're saying the it's same me. word <laughs> You know, and so that's like, you can sort of see the wheels starting to turn in her mind at that moment. And, and like, I think like, okay, I've talked over plenty of people and accidentally said the same word, like, that doesn't mean anything. And then she like goes to that little diner and the women at the diner are like all talking about him because they're listening to the radio too. And I just... I think there's a certain aspect of like uh, tropiness of women who want to fix slash nurture a man. It's like, you know, that disease where like moms purposefully make their children sick so they can take care of them. Munchausen by proxy. Okay. By proxy. Because I looked up Munchausen's that. So by proxy is what yeah, that Mun- is. Munchausen by proxy. Yep. Okay. So that's what this kind of reminds me of for her is that she's falling in love with a broke, like his brokenness. Mm-hmm. And that seems unhealthy as well. Like yeah, big time. You like him when he's broken. Are you going to like him when he's okay? You know what? You make a really good point, and that's something that I didn't think of, but I think that that is spot on because I think that there is, like what you said, well, like so much housing by proxy is making your child sick so you get attention. Um, and you, I mean, I think people can have much housing by proxy for people that aren't their children either. I think it just depends. It's just, it's just like a term for, you know, like an umbrella term. But, um, it's funny that you mentioned that though, because I just listened to an episode of a podcast called Crimes of Passion and they talked about uh, Dee Dee and Gypsy Blanchard, Gypsy Lee Blanchard, and that, and she was, uh, you know, she had Munchausen by proxy and was making her kids sick and everything. So, and I like, I listened to it on like Wednesday or something. And um, I think that you're right is that she's attracted to a guy who is like what you said she he's broken and so she's like oh I can I can mend your broken heart I can fix it you know what I mean um and then the reality is that if she is as sick as we think she is then (laughs) she might want to keep him broken because that's the easiest way to control him to fix him to whatever yeah, because who knows how he's going to feel once he's healthy or how she's going to feel once he's healthy. And we, I mean, this just, 
there's just something that's like that's not right with this woman and it's like so is the like post film like her ending up like killing him because she's psychotic you know what I mean like it's, you know yeah I mean? so it's it's like I'm like the sleepless oh, in Seattle killer so romantic <laughs> yeah, well I think that there's a certain amount of romance in hearing a man talk about a woman he loved with such romantic flowery terms where you're right. like oh look at how he loved her I want someone to love me like that but in reality like not every like when her and him finally come together like what happens in a year when these electric bills are due or you you know you have to clean that the house is a mess or you know whatever like when real life starts working hang on i don't know if i'm saying this right no i like what you're saying it's like it's like once like um it's like once the domestic domesticity of it all hits you're suddenly like oh that's right we have to do things that like like i th i think that she has a sort of you know fantastical delusion that every day is going to be perfect and romantic with him and it's like but there's also days where you're gonna have to you know clean the bathroom you're gonna have to do the dishes you're gonna have to cook or you're gonna have to go grocery shopping or you know like someone ends up you know accidentally falling out of a tree and breaks their arm like it's you know what i mean it's like you're not it's not gonna be perfect every day because a if you're hoping for that then you are living in a highly unrealistic world and and you know be or two or whatever i said i can't remember the first thing i said but you get what i mean <laughs> the second no the sec my second point is that i think that she is so focused on this guy and 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 fixing him and everything that she's not even thinking about like and like what happens when real life hits you know Wait. what happens you know it's like what if someone wakes up and they're grumpy you know like are you gonna want to be with them when they're all like shitty and cranky and they're like i don't want to talk i just want to go back to bed and leave me alone you know what i mean like it's well so yeah and the sentiment that he was saying is sentiment you hear after someone passes away like right he loved his wife when they were together but there were daily things that they had to go through and i would tend to think that walter loves her the same way but she's not dead so she's not hearing the sentiment the same way but right. like i think there was a really cute scene and i think it might i think this scene might be made to show uh like humdrum like every day is the same but i think it's really cute when her and walter are going to bed and she's like without looking at him handing him his like allergy stuff and they have this like ritual back and forth mm -hmm. you can tell yeah. that there are two people who've been together and they're like comfortable with each other and they're i don't know i think that that's like kind of beautiful like finding someone that you have this like wordless connection with and you're just like passing things back and forth and you're getting ready for bed and and i mean i think that you could argue that walter loves her the same way or close to the same way that tom hanks loved his wife it's just when you're in it every day, he's not giving, Walter isn't giving her a eulogy because they're still in it. But right, Tom right. Hanks is giving his wife a eulogy because she is gone. Right. And so there's a much different, like falling in love with a eulogy is foolish, you know? Oh, big time. Yeah. So yeah, and the thing is that like, he's, he's talking about his wife who passed away a year and a half ago that's not that long first right of all. yeah and second, yeah. like especially if so 
I'm I'm gonna assume Jonah's eight, so they've been together for at least eight years. I'm assuming that they've probably been married for at least eight years. That's a long time to be with someone to just get over it in a year and a half. That's not I, gonna happen. You I know? thought like, it was really sad that people were like, "You need to get out there again." I'm like, "Can't he just do it when he's ready?" Yeah, I'm like, "Let him grieve." It's only been a year and a half, man. And also, is that fair to someone else that he ends up in a relationship with, or he's still, you know, he's like, "I'm still really upset and miserable because my wife passed away, and I love." her very much and you're not her you know and it's like so it's it's just I don't know I I actually wrote down a can I can I talk about when he has like the vision of her like sitting at the end of the couch so (laughs) I don't know how you viewed this scene but I I wrote down that um wait let me see okay Okay, so he has that, like, her name is Maggie, and he ha- he's like, I miss you, I miss you so much, blah, 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 and she just, like, stares at him, <laughs> this, like, <laughs> blank, wall-eyed stare, and then, like, disappears, and I know it's supposed to be, like, a romantic, or, like, a sweet, like, you know, like, sentimental moment, but I was laughing, because she's just, like, staring at him blankly, and I was like, you don't miss him, too? Like, <laughs> It's just like, it was the weirdest scene and there was nothing sentimental about it. I just thought it was humorous. Like I was like, I'm like, I'm supposed to be feeling something here, but I don't feel anything but humor. So what's, you know what I mean? Like it. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, I, I have to go back to say about what you were saying about that cute scene where they're, you know, getting ready for bed. Like, I want that in my yeah. life. You know what I mean? Like, I want <laughs> yeah. someone that I'm so comfortable with that I'm like, here you go, babe. Here's your stuff, you know, whatever. Because to me, I, like, I'm, first of all, I'm a total homebody anyway. So I like chilling and I like hanging out. I like a really, like, low-key, you know, environment. Um, I'm not a big traveler, so I wouldn't be interested in someone who's going all over the world, you know? So for me, something like that where it's very comfortable and you just kind of have this routine is perfect that sounds perfect that sounds amazing i would love to be that comfortable with someone where you know like you settle down for the night you snuggle up and then that's it you go to bed like perfect that sounds wonderful you know so she is there's like i I think there's romance in like a certain level of like consistency i know exactly what you mean like yeah exactly like nobody on the on this planet knows me this way and we know each other this way and yeah i agree like you know and she like dogs that at the end when they're like china shopping and gives her the ring she's like dogging it the whole time it's like what do you actually want meg ryan anyway continue continue no i well that's pretty much what i had to say but i think that there is there is something that this is reminding me of that i'm not quite able to put my finger on but i think it's like the ideal that you're looking at like okay so actually made some tiktoks that i haven't uploaded yet but it was about how people are how like stalking is romanticized in films and in a lot of films Mm -hmm. and because stalking is romanticized that people in particular women like young women start to think that this is like ideal or this is right or this is like oh my god if he you know like he follows me and he breaks into my house it's so romantic and so I started saying like if this is the correlation between what we have been taught as a society as far as entertainment goes that stalking is romantic or sweet or whatever um 
then there's it seems like maybe that's like a high correlation as to women who are getting killed because of this behavior because they're not ignoring or they're ignoring the red flags and instead they're going oh he does this or he does that and that's so romantic but the reality of it is is that someone who follows you from new or where they were where were they bald bald baltimore yeah no, baldwin. Mm-hmm. baltimore um and you know follows him to seattle so that's all the way across the united states the entire united states from end to end you know and it's like that's not romantic that's fucking creepy like that is not cute that's not like desirable it is not a trait that you should want in another person that is something that you should go hey police by the way this woman's <laughs> fucking crazy like well you know? i think you make a really good point and i think twilight is a really good example of this too where um stalking slash obsession with your partner is romanticized in the movie and when you're an 11 to 14 year old girl yeah, it does sound really appealing to be like, I want this guy that's just like obsessed with everything about me. I want him to lose himself and take on me. Like, I want him yeah, to even- just basically wear a, a Samantha suit around town. But then you come of age well, and you older realize. Than 14. Like, no, I'm not- saying like, I'm saying it's normal okay. for that age. Right, right, right. And then you come of age and you should hopefully grow out of that and learn like, oh, there are other people in the world besides me and I'm going to be in a relationship with another human being who has his own dreams or her own dreams and interests. And what's awesome about it is you get to go along the journey with each other into your own dreams and interests and you don't have to be obsessed with each other, you know, but it's unhealthy to maintain that prepubescent view of love that somebody being obsessed and stalking you is what love is. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. But it's also the idea that they're like, you know, pulling you away from your loved ones and everything because they're like, oh, this person isn't good for you. But that's a sign of abuse. So it's like the these like it's like what you said with, you know, like Twilight and everything that people are like, oh, it's cute that he broke into her room and is watching her while she's sleeping. I'm like, um, is it though? (laughs) Like, like, because I gotta say, if someone broke in my room and watched me while I was sleeping, I'd be like, so you need to leave me alone, like forever. Like, don't even talk (laughs) to me in the hall. Don't look at me. I don't like, I want you to pretend like I've never existed. Okay. Bye. Have a nice (laughs) life or whatever. I don't really care. You're scary. You're scary. So it's, I mean, and, and I think that with this, the issue with Sleepless in Seattle is that it's almost like viewed as acceptable maybe because she's like, she's cute and she's like quirky and whatever. And also I have to say that I don't think I've ever seen Meg Ryan not play Meg Ryan in a movie. You know what I mean? Like she's always the same type of character. Yeah. She's Mm -hmm. like, I mean, it's like her, I don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen anything where she's just like, she like talks the same. She acts the same. She doesn't have any different quirks or, you know, like an accent. I mean, nothing. It's always like the same character. And, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, like, poo-pooing it or whatever or whatever that word is 
because she's made a career out of it, good for her. She's a multimillionaire, good for her. You know what I mean? If I made a career out of being cute, I'd totally fucking do it too. You know? Well, like, I just, think like, like I said, I think her, I don't mind her character and you've got mail for the most part. Mm-hmm. I like, I don't mind her character in French Kiss for the most part. I really like oh, no. When Harry Met Sally. Um, that's probably my favorite role of hers. Uh, so I think what it is is, they're too focused on the quirkiness some of the time and they don't focus on the substance like in this movie sleepless in seattle specifically they're steamrolling a lot of really bad character traits by amping up her like quirkiness or desire for uh something other than walter instead Mm -hmm. of being like she's leaving a lot of wreckage in her wake that we are just shoving under the rug for this romantic comedy and I think that that does, it's dangerous because she's not quirky or cute enough to get me on board with her actions. Right. And um, I have to say that I do like Meg Ryan as an actress. I, I love French Kiss. I love, um, you know, Joe versus the Volcano. I do. I like her movies. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. No, I agree with you. She I, I, plays yeah. the same character. Like, I'm like yeah. it's not, you know, again nothing against her she's made a career out of it good for her like but i i'm just saying i've i've observed that she's yeah. not a very talented actress as far as playing she's not uh, dynamic different roles no yeah she's mm-hmm. i mean i i'm she i think she made a lot of her you know her money in like the 90s being cute and stuff like that and like early 2000s and hey that's fine um anyway that's that's I agree with you. I think what you're saying is true. 100%. I totally agree with you. And I I feel the same way as you do where I like her. But I think her like, you know, her roles are always tinged with like, oh, this is just another Meg Ryan. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, the the good part is that if you're going into a Meg Ryan movie, you know what you're going to expect. Yep. You know what I mean? You're like, hey, this is going to be a fun, cute little movie. It's going to entertain me for an hour and a half. Wonderful. Um, now this movie, <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle, I, I just, I totally agree with you. I don't think that she's a very likable or interest or not, not that she's not interesting. I just don't think that, you know, stalking someone is cute. That's not cute behavior to me. That's very concerning behavior to me that someone would think that that's okay. You know? Yeah. And the premise of the movie is weird, but not terrible with tweaks. Like mm-hmm. she's a single woman. Let's say she's single. Let's say her and him have maybe met a few times, you know, or let's say she starts, let's say she hears him on the radio and is sort of intrigued by him and does a story about him and goes out to interview him. And they have like a five day trip around seattle where she's interviewing him like you know rolling stone i think like they send their reporters to like live with rock stars for a week or something you know like let's say she does something like that and then they sort of fall in love and then even in that case like that would be much better because there'd be some basis you know but this movie as it stands there's none of that yeah And and like they only i mean they like he sees her at the airport and he follows her so i was a little bit like iffy about that too that's like, another like, thing <laughs> like he like he like sees her and it's like she's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen in his life and then he starts following her like 
almost not even paying attention to his child either, which is like, okay, um, you know, like maybe let's pay attention to your kid who's like, you know, fucking like three feet tall and like could easily get lost in a crowd. Think- like it's. <laughs> That scene drives me nuts because not only is it just cliche, it plays on the same obsession that she had. She heard his voice on the radio and it compelled her to fly across the country. And he's saying in that scene to his son, he says, there's no such thing as the perfect woman. And he can't say woman because Meg Ryan has just come out of the terminal. So it's so cliche that as he's saying, there's no such thing as a perfect woman. He sees a woman who he obviously deems as perfect and he also becomes obsessed so they're both not right in the head no because no. he this... also knows nothing like i've seen plenty of attractive people in my life but it's never like like it's never i'm gonna start you over again don't follow them through it, a yeah, it's never made my jaw hit the floor and made me ignore the people around me and like follow them like i smelled pie on a windowsill and now my butt is floating around and i just you know what i mean like right. it's never done that i've always just thought that's an attractive person right and then you i go like- on with my life and especially like seeing a stranger in a crowd like and I've never said to somebody, there's no such thing as the perfect man. What? You know, like in a man who's attractive <laughs> walks in and like that wait, doesn't wait, happen. Did they, did they walk in in slow motion? Because I feel like they should have. With a saxophone playing. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I have. <laughs> yeah. But I'm never going to dance again. So I that scene is so terrible because it's. It's like self-aware in a way that is so annoying. And mm-hmm. and then and then he makes her his obsession and he sees her across the street and she almost gets smeared across the highway by a, a vehicle because like she's standing in the middle times. of the road. It's like, you know, did you ever see the cartoon Disney version of Robin Hood with yes. the snake who can hypnotize people with his eyes? Yeah. That's exactly okay, was what that Robin Hood or was that the Jungle Book? It's well, I think, I think it's, it's it might be book. both, but um, in Robin Hood, it does it too. So. Oh, it does. Okay, yeah, it might be both though, actually, because oh. yeah. I think I mean, you're right. Disney, but so. um, it's that's what was happening when they were staring at each other across the street when she came to his house, like, and then all he did was say hi, and she said hi, and then she almost gets hit by a car, and then she leaves. And I thought, wow. I know, I know. Explosions in the sky. Like, I was like, this is your first, like, this is, you could have just made something up and like, oh yeah, I'm traveling to Seattle for um, business and I, I, you know, wanted to look at the lake or whatever. And then you're like, you know, or something like that, whatever. And then just connect with him. But instead she's like, oh no, he saw me. I have to run away now. And so she She like- I'll do you one better, Lauren. She could have said to him, I work for this newspaper and I'm doing a story about you because you cause a stir for thousands of women in the United States. Right. And I have a few moments of your time. She yeah, could see, have that would have been them. a way more like, well, like, and the thing is that they have her ha- be a journalist, but the only reason it seems that she's a journalist is to be able to stalk him down. It's like, have access, free access to a pu- private investigator. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's not because she's like, oh, I'm so interested. And I think this is a really interesting story, you know, and like we could get your voice out there, whatever. Um, 
And I mean, it would be even better too if he was like, I don't want the story written about me. And she's like, listen, we don't have to have a story written about you. Let's just spend time together. I don't know. You know what I mean? But yeah. we're like, show like, me that what would your be the bedroom whole, like, looks like. <laughs> show me what your body looks like without clothes. Oops, did I say that out loud? <laughs> how many how many pillows do you use? How do you like I your know. eggs in the morning? Fourteen hundred. <laughs> Here's my annoying child, Jonah. <laughs> so let's, can we talk about Jonah? Because something, sure. multiple times he really bothered me, but something that I really didn't like that was super unrealistic was poor Jonah's, Jonah is eight years old. Yeah. Prime mother needing years. Oh, big time. His mother has died a year and a half ago uh -huh. and he is so precocious that he's calling into a nationally syndicated radio show and saying, my dad needs a new wife. When I was eight years old, my mom was like my world and losing her would have wrecked me. And I would definitely not have the like presence of mind to know that my dad needed a wife yeah. and to want to replace my mother. Like those were two things that I would never have wanted at eight years old. Like let's no. get a new woman in here to replace my mom, you know, like, and then later in the movie, like just a little bit later, he says to Tom Hanks, if you start dating again, are you going to have sex? Is she going to scratch all up your back? Because yeah, in sex scenes, that. women are all scratching. And I was like, this kid's eight years old and he's saying this to his dad. And I, I didn't well, think... Why is his dad not more concerned that he knows this? Yeah, you know? he's so he just rubs like, he's he, like he kind of is, but not enough where like I feel like he should be like, Are what are you watching? And he's just like, Are you just watching TV? I'd be cable. like, no. My friend has cable and he's like, Oh, okay. And yeah, that's I it. know. He's just like, Well, that's fine. You're watching people have sex on TV. I mean, you're eight years old, you don't understand what it is or anything, but that's fine. Like yeah, I, I hated that scene. I thought that that was really, like, that made me, like, acutely uncomfortable because I was yes. like, you should not know what this is. Like, he's a child. He's a fucking child. Why are we? And, like, knowing, like, oh. let's say you're a child and you see a sex scene in a movie or on TV. You know, like, overtly that the people on TV are doing something that you don't understand. But to also mm. then again comfortably place your parents in that scenario is unheard of to me because I remember when I was around fourth grade and I learned on the playground what sex was like what exactly happens in sex and I feel like there was like a blockage in my brain and I was like is that true and I like cannot imagine myself at that time putting my parents in that position you know like right no thinking no, about your parents in that predicament predi I don't know if sex is a predicament but in you know at that age like putting uh, the like putting the pieces together and being like adults have sex my parents are adults my parents have sex that did not happen in my brain right no at that, that time in mine either and and for that matter I thought it was the entire thing sounded disgusting and gross when I was eight years old I was like <laughs> ew that's what people do to that yes gross. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah so then to go home and say to your parents like you're gonna be having sex that's totally unnatural and that so I can't imagine weird. that happening well, it's because an adult wrote his. his yeah. Oh, you know, exactly. Like, He's never been in the presence of a child. It's like, you know, when it's like uh, just off the top of my head, like, you know, like the second, like, um, what was that? The Jack fucking what? The, you know, at the time. Oh, Jack Cruise Reacher? Movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> where the person had probably never been in the presence of a human woman in yeah. his life, yep. or maybe just a human being in general. Like you, yeah. You or Stephanie Meyer not knowing human men as well, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. But also in regards to Jonah, the son. Uh, let's talk about the fact that Meg Ryan's romance is for the most of the movie, it's between her and the little boy because he's the one who writes her back. And even though the letter is very badly written, she still keeps a torch for who she thinks is Sam, played by Tom Hanks. But it's really a love note from the son. Right. So not only is she heading across the country to meet a man she's never met but her on the radio but the correspondence she's had has not been with him it's been with the son so well, and she thinks it's from him too yeah she thinks so, it's from sam but really she's going across the country because she got a letter from an eight-year-old boy <laughs> yeah if i i have to say if i got that letter and it was written that way i would have been like you know what I think I'm okay. I think yep. I'm just going to marry Walter and live happily ever after. Yeah, I would have been like, like that would have turned me off so much because I would have been like, this guy can barely talk, you know, like, I, and I would have been like, I don't know what I was thinking. I no. lost my mind there a little bit. There's and I would have almost accepted that as an ending if she was like, you know what? I, I, you know, I think I just had a little bit of a mental breakdown. I'm fine now. I'm okay. I should probably get some help. But Walter, we should get married because I do, in fact, love you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like No, in the, the scene where she reads the letter and it sounds so terrible and juvenile, Rosie O'Donnell's character was like, so he's bad at writing. And I was like, yeah, no, you don't say that. You say, see, this is why we don't chase men that we hear on the radio go marry walter who's a great guy right, <laughs> and isn't right. like can't you know who can probably write a letter you know and use adjectives <laughs> yeah. other than neat <laughs> i think you sound neat yeah i was yeah. Just, yeah i i could not understand for the life of me why like i would have just been so like i would probably would have just like burned it i would have been like you know what i don't this is terrible like just held it over the stove like burned it like yeah, I, I just, I don't get why that was like that for some reason was like the thing that pushed her even further to go find this guy. Like, I, I'm, I'm like, what are we, are, like, what, Annie, what are you doing? Are you on crack? Like, I really have to wonder what is wrong with you that you, re like, it's, it's like reading. It's like, okay, like, so I know you haven't done online dating, but like, it's like the same idea as if I started talking to a guy online and all his answers were like, good, how are you? Like, are you? Oh, yeah. you know? like, and that's like, so all of his answers were like super boring like that. And then I became obsessed with him and I found him and I decided that I was going to marry him. And like, that's like the same idea where it's just like, I, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. It doesn't make sense. Nothing in the movie makes sense. No. And so also I want to talk about the movie that they keep referencing, uh, An Affair to Remember. Yes. So um, I like notoriously love that movie. So I was really excited when I saw that in there. But I was kind of hoping that they weren't ever actually going to actually mention the name. I was hoping that it would be kind of one of those things where, like, if you knew the movie, then that's like a secret little Easter egg for you. But they didn't do that. And I was so I was kind of disappointed because I was like, I was like, oh, my God, I love that movie. And I have to say, um, Susie, who's played by Rita Wilson. 
<laughs> I'm glad you're bringing this up. Oh my god, that scene! I was like, I think I might be Susie. <laughs> no, she's like, she's like, and then they meet at the top of the Empire State. She's like, and he got, no, no, what is it? He's like, and then he comes to her apartment and he sees the painting and he knows. <laughs> and I was like I was like girl I've literally been there because <laughs> I have I've told you the story before and I've gotten emotional over the story because it's a great great film and I had an issue with the fact that they were relating it so much and like you're you're taking this fantastic film that's very well known you know a Cary Grant Deborah Care movie um that I would I would recommend an affair to remember to anyone it's a beautiful film but their relationship makes sense you know it's a romance like it is i mean it's a little strange because it's made in the 50s so you might be kind of like eh, i don't know if that really works nowadays but like it but whatever i'm going off i'm going on tangent but the fact that they kept referencing it and then like everyone like for some reason knew this movie even though it's made in like the 50s like it was just it was one of those things where i was like the second that they actually mentioned the name i was like and you've ruined it, you know? Yeah, it was way too on the nose. There's no subtlety in this movie whatsoever. No, but no. I have two things to say. Number one is Cary Grant is so handsome. And I feel like you saying this. I love Cary Grant. Like, he's very classy, very handsome. And if anyone also, and I've never seen An Affair to Remember, but I do want to see it. Father Goose. I highly recommend Father Goose, which is a Cary Grant movie that I've watched pretty much my whole life because my dad really likes it. So I saw it when I was very young. Two thumbs up. Highly recommend it. Also Charade with Audrey Hepburn. He's just so good. He's such a great actor. And um, the scene when yeah, Rita Wilson... Uh, North by Northwest is good too. Okay. I've never seen that, but that's a Hitchcock movie, right? Yeah, I don't think yeah. I've actually seen the whole thing, but I liked what I saw, so I would like to see the full thing eventually, yeah. <laughs> and then I can really tell you if you should watch it or not. <laughs> but the scene where Rita Wilson is talking about the movie and crying is my favorite. It's the only redeemable scene in the movie. I love it because then Tom Hanks and Victor Garber have this scene, yes. that, and it made me laugh out loud, which I... If, you, if the movie... In the middle of the movie, if somebody had paused it and said, do you think you're going to laugh out loud at this movie? I would have been like 100% no. So it really shocked me. But Victor Garber and Tom Hanks are now having a conversation about the movie The Dirty Dozen and pretending to cry yeah. and get all emotional about it. And it's a really great, great scene. But you have to watch most of the movie to get there. So I don't know if it's worth it. But it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's you really could, good. You could watch the movie without like knowing what it's about and still get enjoyment out of the film because that scene is just so funny. Mm -hmm. and, they're like, and then he parachutes down. It's just, <laughs> really emotional. Like, yeah, that was that was hilarious. I agree. That part was really funny. And I laughed out loud, too. And like, it, it was just it was clever. It was really clever for them to have done that. And but that was like the only part that was clever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I have to say that um, I really didn't like the music. Most of it were terrible, terrible covers. And I was like, what is this shit? Like one of the first songs that they play is like, like um, you, I think it's uh, what is that? Like, you must remember this. Yeah, I feel like Nora Ephron movies are usually chock full of, like, 
it's like subliminal messages of like movies from another time that's supposed to bring some weird like nostalgia that doesn't ever it it very rarely lands well i think because it's well, so and dated. it's funny that you say that because that song's from casablanca oh okay yeah so it's like you're right it does have that kind of like old-fashioned like romance feel but it just it doesn't it doesn't land well it doesn't land right um yeah i i really um i really didn't like the soundtrack at all i thought i i thought every song that they chose was like either it just felt clunky and out of place or it was like oh another shitty cover of a great song cool you know like it was like you know and and i i don't want to hear that either i want to hear the original or just don't choose this choosy ass music like you know i watch all those like stupid hallmark like christmas movies and um some of them the songs are like it's like jingle bells but like off brand jingle bells so they're like they're like jingle tones jingle tones like <laughs> jingle tones in our tones like it's just like it's just I'm pretty accurate to yeah <laughs> jingle tones yeah and like it's it's very like it's like just a poor man's jingle bells and it's some girl who like kind of can sing but like not really at the same time like she's maybe like the producer's daughter and so she was like put it you know what i mean like it's one of those things where um but but i'm watching hallmark so i'm i know that i'm going to be watching a cheesy movie now when i'm watching sleepless in seattle which is a blockbuster film i expect better and i didn't get it so yeah no I I'm glad you brought up the jingle bells because I actually like took a video recording of the scene when she's driving and singing along and I sent it to Mike and I said Meg Ryan is a mentalist in this movie because she's like she's just like horses 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 ding a ling a ling and it's yeah that was ridiculous one of the most annoying scenes I know like she wasn't even like she's it's like along. she's it's like she's driving drunk you oh, know yeah 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 totally like and, and yeah no I. I know she was like singing along and I was like, please stop. Please stop what you're doing right now. This is really bad. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Have a nice night. See you later or not. I don't care. Yeah. It was, it was just, I know. I don't, I don't get it either. It's like, she was like trying to sing harmony, but like in the worst way possible. You know what I mean? They're like, and then there's horses and they go through the snow and she's like, horses, horses, horses. It's so dumb. I do want to talk about, I do want to talk about something else that I can't, I don't understand the intent in the movie. If this movie was created, I, I'm reasonably sure that I could believe that this movie was created to scare older single women because more oh, than yeah. once. Oh my God, the terrorist attack thing? Yeah, more than once they cited this presumably made up for the movie statistical fact where male characters say, different male characters each time say it's statistically more likely to be killed by a terrorist than to get married if you're a woman over 40. And I don't know where that statistic came from. And it was a really weird thing to say, not once, but twice. And I thought, is the intended audience of this movie, like women who are nearing 40 and are like freaked out or women who are bored or women who are single and now have this added pressure of the fact that like no man's going to want you when you're over 40 or no woman's going to want you when you're over 40. Like why did they say that multiple times? And what was the intent? Like, what is the point? 
Well, and like being 40 is almost like being 39 with a couple of extra months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like you're, you're, it's not like the second that you turn 40, all of a sudden you're going to look 10 years older. You're still going to look the same. So I don't, it's like, I don't understand why, like that's insulting is honestly what it is, is that it's insulting to tell, you know, to like have this ongoing like joke or whatever that like you're more likely to be in a terrorist attack than get married when you're over 40 because I'm sure that there's plenty of women out there who were like, I want to put my career first. I want to put my life first and then I will get married if I want to when I'm a little bit older. And it's like, that's a totally acceptable and like fine thing to do. It's your life. So do what you want. But someone, you know, repeatedly pushing that statistic that what you said, likely a fake statistic, um, like into someone's brain is just like, it's, it's just like, it's like devaluing a woman for her age. You know what I mean? Like a woman is worth less because she's 40. So now she's not seen as like an, like an acceptable marriage material what the fuck like that's not okay and i think it also within the movie perpetuated this message of like hey once you hit 40 no man's gonna want you and it's really weird it was such a weird message and it the fact that they did it multiple times and it sort of made it almost in a roundabout way supported her very erratic and strange and irresponsible and heartbreaking behavior because it was like hey you know it's like the phrase like all's fair in love and war like you know it's like the serengeti if you're a tight if you're a lion you gotta pounce you know stuff like that and I, i just think it's so weird it's because i don't even know was she supposed to be almost 40 because i don't think she was almost 40 in real life when the movie was made i feel like she was in her early 30s yeah i would i would imagine either like late 20s or early 30s and she's engaged, so she's getting married anyway. So it's yeah, like, so she has nothing to worry about as far as that yeah, like, is concerned. It's just such a weird. Well, I think it's just. I think it's putting, again, is it putting a certain value on a woman's life based on her age? Yeah, and that is what is so wrong about it. You know, and it's making women scared who potentially take this movie very seriously you know right or like they end up in a relationship with someone who's a really bad person because they're like i'm so scared i'm not gonna get married like would you rather end up with with someone that makes you feel miserable or be alone i mean i'd rather be alone like i don't want to be with someone that i have to constantly walk on eggshells around i want to be with someone who makes me feel comfortable who makes me feel loved who makes me feel wanted you know like and, and yeah, that, I mean, I, I don't get that either. I'm just thinking of like, here's a 45-year-old woman in 1993 when this movie came out who goes to see this movie in the theater. Like, am I leaving the theater now feeling like a failure because I've just had it yeah. beaten into me that like, I didn't take my chances. I didn't stalk the right men in my 30s and now I'm 45 and, and I'm used goods. I'm damaged goods. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. It really, bo- it really bothered me. I don't understand. And that must be like, I think that's like a 90s thing as well. I know we point out 90s things a lot. And I think that that also like, I'm pretty sure that like modern terrorism has probably obliterated that statistic. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Like that move that was obviously made during a time when terrorism wasn't quite such a household 
news story either. God, isn't that sad? It's sad. Oh, yeah, it is so sad. sad. I mean, it's not. A, I don't think it's a real statistic anyway. It was made up for the movie, but I don't. Yeah. They couldn't. They couldn't make that same joke now. I think it would no. be very. It's very insensitive, but it's also so stupid. Yeah. I. So I oh, go ahead. Well, I wanted. To, I wanted to um, ask you a question. Did you? And you probably didn't even like. This probably just flew right by you because it's such like a little like quip but um there's a part where jonah and his his uh friend are listening to music or listening to abbey road yeah and he says if you listen to it backwards it says paul is dead Mm -hmm. um and i was like i love that they made that that reference because i don't know if you know the story of like yeah you know the story that like everyone thought paul mccartney was dead or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah um and i just thought that that was like a funny thing but i also like that that Sam, who's played by Tom Hanks, was like, yeah, I know. And <laughs> Jonah goes, how do you know? <laughs> I like that. I thought that was, I think they did the the subtlety right in that moment. And they should have done that same subtlety with the affair to remember, like you said. Yeah. Because they just yeah. said, if you listen to it backwards, it says Paul is dead. And they never say anything about the album. They right. never say anything. And you just like, like you said with the movie, if you're in the club, you know it. If you're not in the club. Yeah, you know, you exactly. skate past it. Yeah, so, I really wish that they had done that with an affair to remember. And it bothers me that they were like so blatantly like, and I was excited too. I was excited about the subtlety of that reference, you know, but, um, and I, and what bothers me too, is that it's like, there's almost like so much focus on that movie and especially the ending or not. It's not even really the ending. It's actually like the climax where, you know, they meet at the, the top of the empire state building and she doesn't make it there. So it's like, like, <laughs> He first of all, he lives in Seattle, so you're assuming that he's gonna fly all the way to New York to meet him, meet her, and they don't know each other, and and it, it, it's to me like I'd be like, I'm not gonna meet you at the top of some building when I don't even know you. Like, what is this shit? Like, no, I'm good. I think I'll stay in Seattle where it's nowhere near you, <laughs> you know. And, and it's one thing like her going to new york from baltimore is one thing because they're right next door to each other for like you know for the most part um but him going from all the way to washington to new york is like it's that's a whole other you know the whole other scenario so she's what very she- pre- she's very presumptuous that he's just going to be okay with that you know i'd be like no you come here and meet me actually you know what don't you know yeah he's actually pretty logical through the movie where he keeps telling his son like maryland is over here we're over here it doesn't work like you know right and i just i'm stuck on this and i know i'm gonna beat it to death in the movie but let's say let's paint a picture you're planning a romantic weekend with your boyfriend okay and you guys are going to new york city for the weekend and you find out that your boyfriend is at his friend's house typing up a letter to somebody that he heard on the radio. And he's like, I'll be in New York with my girlfriend so we can totally meet up. And he thinks it's okay in the moment to possibly make plans to meet up with somebody romantically while he's on a romantic excursion with you. Like, that's pretty yeah. shitty behavior, right? Oh, that's big time shitty behavior. And also, um, like, so she... The thing is, like, they're out to dinner when they're about to decide to meet, and she's just like, you know what, this isn't working because I'm in love with someone who I've never met before, and he's like, 
that's totally cool and i was like no walter that seemed <laughs> like he was so he was just like that's fine you do you babe and i was like walter babe darling love of my life what are you doing what are you doing you know <laughs> that scene made me so angry and i was waiting to talk about it because i could probably fill up two hours talking about it but it is it enrages me how totally cool he was yeah being dumped they're about to get married she breaks up with him not because she's been having an affair she breaks up with him because she heard a man on the radio and she had a very small correspondence with an eight-year-old boy and now she doesn't she's, even know that it's a yeah, year old boy. She thinks she's him. dumping this man who she's had an established com very committed relationship and he is just like it's okay i'm fine and i thought well does that mean he never cared about her because that's even more sad because i know that you can't have the sweet like the sweetheart of the movie cannot be called a slut in the movie so walter could never call her names and get angry with her and be like you slut you tramp i can't believe i ever loved you he can't do that because she's the sweetheart of the movie mm -hmm. so instead they emasculate him by making him be like it's okay i just want what's best for you i don't want to be your second choice and i think like yell at her call her names like get upset this person that you loved that you loved so much that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with is now breaking up with you because she heard a voice it's not because she's like oh i, I met this guy and we've been going to lunch a couple days a week and you know it's because she she heard him tell a sob story on the radio and you've got mail has the exact same thing her and greg kinnear go to dinner together and she says something like i have something to tell you i don't love you anymore and he's like oh my gosh i don't love you anymore and so presumably they've been lying to each other for however long in their relationship and just oh my god it's so funny that you said that because through I the motions don't love you yeah like <laughs> are you just going through the motions with me like was walter just going through the motions with her because it didn't seem like it on his end no. but because of the nature of the movie you have to make him seem like milk toast and that's so sad like it breaks mm -hmm. my heart because the audience needs to be on board with her behavior so they can't have Walter mad at her. So it yeah. just makes it okay to treat people like garbage. Like she's treating him like a piece of trash mm -hmm. and they had to make the movie as such. So she doesn't look like a bad guy because he gives her a blessing. And that's so wrong on so many levels. It's not romantic. It's very sad. Good luck in your next relationship when he hears a woman's voice on the radio and dumps you for that. Because you know right. what I mean? Like, right, right. Yeah. I'm ranting, but well, it's no, but so awful. It's, I mean, I think you're spot on, you know, because he is, he's hearing her story and he's, he's like interested in her story, which I thought was weird because I would be like, you're leaving me for a guy that you heard on the radio and i would be like i mean i'd be really hurt i'd be appalled i'd be offended i'd be you know i'd be all sorts of angry and i certainly wouldn't just be like oh well that's fine i would be like you know what i hope your relationship works out and by that i mean i hope it doesn't you fucking bitch you know what i mean like I would order you know? if that happened to me i would order red wine so i could throw it in their face yeah because yeah. i'd be like need you to just sit down here for a second yeah the anger 
The anger and the pain and the rejection that you would feel when something like that happens is like, I can't even imagine it. Oh no, I can't either. I mean, you certainly would not walk away being like, well, everything's fine unless it was the type of situation where, you know, that he was losing interest in her, but you don't see that. So you don't have any reason to believe that you just have a, you, you think that he's into her the whole time and that he loves her and he wants to be with her. And like, and then you see like moments like throughout their relationship where like she's in the closet, like listening to the radio or whatever. And he's like, are you okay? Is everything like, he's clearly concerned about her, you know? Yes. Are you fine? Because you're hiding in the closet. Like, I want to make sure that you're okay. And, and yeah, I, I, I I can't imagine I would I would just be so mad I would be so I would see red you know what I mean like I would be like I don't even know how to react to you because you're fucking crazy you're leaving me for a voice you heard on the radio like does that sound normal to you hello I think if something like that happened to me I would have trouble trusting another person again (laughs) oh yeah because yeah if the person that you are committed to marrying, it's not like we've gone on a couple dates, like you, you proposed, she said, yes, you're going to get married. If they can so easily fall out of love with you by hearing, just hearing somebody talk that they've never met, I would be like, what, what's the point of ever trusting anybody again? Like that's horrible behavior. That's horrible behavior. And like, earlier when they were in New York, he said to her, which was a really, it's just a, like, Walter makes me so sad because he I says know. to her, he says, the past couple of months, you've seemed kind of distant, but it finally seems like you're coming back and you're becoming yourself again because she was obsessed with Tom Hanks, but then she decided to put him away for a while and like commit to Walter. And I thought that was such a, a sweet scene. Like he noticed a change in her and she assured him in that moment, she assured him that everything was fine. And then, of course, a day later, she dumps him at dinner. And, like, when she's in the closet listening to the radio show, she, like, lies to him. And it would have been so easy to just tell him the truth and be like, oh, I'm, well, I mean, a partial truth. I guess she didn't want to tell him she's obsessed, but she could have said, oh, this guy on the radio was sort of very, um, very interesting. And, and Becky just called me and said he's on the radio again. and I wanted to hear it. That's all you have to do. Like, if, yeah. if, 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 if like, I got up in the middle of the night, like, if, if Mike was listening to the radio in the middle of the night and I said hey what's going on and he said oh there's a story on the radio and this person is back on it would never cross my mind that he was planning on leaving me for this person on the radio so I don't know why she felt the need like I don't know why she felt the need to lie to Walter in that moment she could have so easily told him the truth I know know? I don't get it either it's like it's like with like anything because I have a tendency to hear a story and then I well you know I have a tendency to hear a story and then I like deep dive into it and I can't like I can't get it out of my mind I'm like I need to know everything about it I mean like George Hodel was a perfect example you know like I bought books on it I like watched things like I've seen documentaries I've listened to pod like it's like but I'm also not going to um leave my fiance behind and go to <laughs> you know, Los Angeles to marry George O'Dell because, well, one, he's dead, and two, he's a psychopath. I mean, I would say, to one, he's a psychopath, and two, he's dead. I would say that, that maybe the psychopath should come a little bit before the dead part. No. I'm glad you, you got your pri- priorities. Terrible, you get what I mean. You get what I mean. <laughs> like, anyway. 
um i'm like the death part doesn't bother me we'll 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 make it through um anyway no um but i'm not going to leave my like and and i've certainly heard stuff on the radio before where um where i'm like oh that's really sad but again i'm not leaving my entire life to go be with this person and it's like first of all you don't even know if you're gonna like Seattle, you know, like you might not even like the city, you know, so you might not even like the person you, you, just because you, yeah, the city radio. is like, the city is so far, should be so far out of your mind. Like just yeah. make sure that he's not a rapist or a murderer or maybe, you know, some other terrible thing that you don't want to tie your horse to, you know, like, yeah. And yeah. and I think and she lied to Walter about going to Seattle. She said she was going to Chicago instead. And I thought, why why all these lies? Yeah. Well I mean so I know why I, the lies because she was like had feelings for t- Sam, for Tom Hanks' character. So that's why she right. felt the need to lie. But at the same time, like a lot of the problems you could just say the truth ish, you right. know, in the movie. Right. But Yeah, I I don't, I don't get it. I, I would have rather had her not engaged, you know, um, or if she was, he's just not a nice guy. And in that case, please do not cast Bill Pullman. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> or just make it super casual. Like, oh, we go out for drinks sometimes. Yeah. Like, or, or he's like, oh, I, you know, like I'm, I don't, whatever. And, and then she goes and she, you know, does this whole like, why make her a journalist? You know what? I'm just, I'm so, I'm so done with this shit. <laughs> I'm like, I can't even express my frustration because there's so, there's so many things that could have been done with this story. Like the fact that she's a journalist, but there's absolutely like, you don't ever see her doing a story. Or if you do, it's about like, I don't know, Westminster dog show. So it's like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's something that's not, what I'm saying is that it's not relevant to the main plot. So it doesn't matter because it like at, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, so it's a dog show. Cool. Whatever. But like, you know, I can't even, I'm just frustrated. I'm just like, I'm mad. I'm like, man. <laughs> well, know? I think the movie would have benefited from, cause something I really like in romantic movies is time that the lovers get together and we don't get to enjoy time of them any either at all either so we never get to see if they mesh well we just have to assume and so at the end they meet up they don't kiss obviously thankfully that would be weird but like and and they don't even really have a conversation they just stare at each other with these wide eyes like they've never seen another human being before and he's like so you're annie okay and they're just like staring and then they walk off and then the movie ends and i was like okay so the ending is about as unfulfilling as the middle and there's no payoff because i don't buy that the relationship can start guilt-free since she's just broken walter's heart and he's probably going to come back with a vengeance and kill them in their sleep and you know what that would make a bad my sweet walter (laughs) and so i I agree with you. Like the journalism thing, they could have used, that's a tool. Like her being a journalist is a useful tool for them to have interactions and fall in love. And then I think making her single would have been the best because nobody wants to see a movie where somebody like drops a man for another man. Like that's, you know, really 
that's a hard shade. movie to make. And yeah. um, well, and it makes it makes the lead character difficult to really empathize or like because it's like so you're leaving a perfectly kind and, and gentle man for someone that you barely know that's stupid you know yeah like, so not, like and it's one thing she doesn't have to be happy in her relationship with walter like there is no, that's what i'm saying is that there's nothing tying her there and he could have even been you know something in the beginning where she's like you know what um you're a really great guy but i'm just i don't think i'm like the right person for you you're the right person for me so maybe we should just end this fine and then she hears about the story and then she goes and she interviews him then sure like i could understand that happening but just making her lie continuously to this guy and fall in love with someone she's never met in her life and it's like that you can't even consider that love because that's obsession that's not love you know that's right that's a, that's a psychological disorder like that's not you know like so it, it makes you know it, it makes her so unlikable because she's just willing to run off ditch her her fiance for someone she doesn't know and you're like but why why mm -hmm. why would, like, yeah you've got it, it if you, you want to end it not because of this other dude you know yeah, like making her single will be better because then you don't have all that muck. Like yeah. if you if you want us to get on board with her behavior, he's either got to be terrible or not in the picture because it's yeah. really hard, as we've said, to empathize with a character that is behaving that way. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like I, it doesn't it doesn't make me want their relationship to work out. Right, Annie's. I don't care if it does. I don't. I kind of hope it doesn't because honestly, I think he deserves better. Well, you know? I don't even know, like, how can it just because yeah, they just because they like said the same word at the same time a couple of times doesn't is not the basis for a relationship. They don't even know each other. No. And and I think. Well, and it's not even them saying the same word at the same time. It's him being recorded saying that. And then she's listening to him yeah. and saying it. Yeah. So it's not even like, oh, my God. We just said the same word at the same time. Is this Kismet? Is yeah. This like, no, it's just you, you like fiction books too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, I feel like all her responses were so generic that it didn't have to be anything like that. That wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been something that would have triggered like, oh my God, it's fate. In my mind, I would have just been like, oh yeah, he thinks the same way I do because we're talking about something really generic or whatever, you know? So uh, yeah, I, I, I have to say though, I do like, I did like Becky not liking Walter like every time like he was mentioned. Yeah. Like, Ugh, that's well, <laughs> that's kind of what I mean. Like that kind it's, they had the basis to make a more creative and believable movie and to make Meg Ryan's character much more likable by just making Walter way more unlikable because Becky's yeah. response was built in and Becky was very supportive of Annie going off and meeting the guy. And I kind of like, I feel bad saying this, but I kind of liked that because her friend was supporting her, but I also don't think it's great to support your friend's potentially cheating on their partners like i wouldn't do that for a friend like if you had a boyfriend and you were like i think i'm gonna fly out and see this guy i'd be like maybe you should dump your boyfriend first you yeah, know yeah, think no, about this like i don't think i would right. support it but in the movie i kind of liked the support and that's really hard to quantify for me like i know it doesn't make sense because i'm talking out of 
both sides of my mouth sort of but it's it's a feeling that I got when I was watching that I liked their connection even though I didn't necessarily like the actions you know and I wouldn't encourage people to do that in real life but it was a good friendship yeah I agree I I liked it too and I understand where you're coming from where you have the qualms of like should I have liked this but um yeah I I really think that I think that their relationship was cute, but I don't think that she should have been supporting her stalking tendencies. No. Yeah, <laughs> no. seriously. Yeah, because then she's like, because when Meg Ryan or when Annie comes in to work one day and she says something like, oh, I have to go or I found him in Seattle and she and Becky says something like, oh, well, then you're going to have to go to Seattle, aren't you? And Annie's like, yeah, I am. And like, I thought that was funny just because the exchange was so like subtle and like they were both like kind of whispering, you know, like wink, um, wink. Yeah. yeah, Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but the fact that she's so supportive of the fact that her friend is like a stalker, I think like, I, I think any good friend, unless they're also crazy, in which case maybe she is, you know, um, it shouldn't should probably be like you know what I think maybe what you need right now is like a therapist and some like yep. hot tea or something and to sit down because you're you're acting like real crazy now girl you're acting yeah. real real crazy and you maybe need to have a very very serious conversation with the partner that you're with because yeah. it sounds yeah. like you're having doubts about the relationship and mm-hmm. you need to make sure you're both on the same page yeah so I yeah I'm glad you understand what I mean yeah um, yeah. But there I was- want to talk about my two least favorite characters, and that's Clarice and Victoria. <laughs> oh, Clarice. Which one was Clarice? So she's just the babysitter. But oh, she, yeah. She was like the most useless babysitter I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like she, like he's, Sam is like full on having a conversation with her and her expression never changes because she's so caught up in watching the TV. And I was like, you're responsible for an eight-year-old's life and you should be paying more attention to what her father or what his father is saying to you and then there's later it's such a teenage it's like a teenager trope like no yeah. teen- teenagers don't pay attention what are you gonna do about it yeah well, and then like later like he is trying to find jonah and he's running all over and she's just like jonah yeah <laughs> i actually jonah. thought that was kind of funny <laughs> i did too but i was like i was like just get rid of Clary. She's awful. Tell her to go home. She's terrible. She's like, like, well, and Jonah was left alone at one point where like, he's, you know, like Sam comes home and he's like, Hey, I'm home. And I was like, Jonah's eight years old. How long has he been alone for? You know? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's eight in the movie. He's like, can he's eight because eight is a cute number, but he's conveniently like 15 in maturity, you know? Right. Well, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, like talking about scratching down the back and sex and stuff when an eight-year-old should not even really know what that is, really. I mean, they might have an idea of what sex is, but the scratching down the back thing is just like, that's that's a whole other level of like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it seems like, is he watching like Skinamax or whatever? And he's yeah, not just watching cable. Like, he's it's watching, like, watching softcore. like softcore porn. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's very. At eight years old, that's pretty healthy for a young, young kid. <laughs> yeah, great. Totally great. Yeah. Um, but so, Victoria, how did you feel about Victoria? I actually kind of liked Victoria and I kind of felt sorry for her because I think she. I think their story was more interesting. Like, that's, 
him and Victoria should be what Annie and Walter were because Victoria was really interested in Sam, but he just wasn't feeling it. It's not because she was, you know, because there were just, and you could tell that they just didn't mesh well together, but she really liked him, but he just wasn't feeling it because she had that annoying laugh, but she was trying. And so she, I feel really sad because she, she wanted it to work, but you could tell that it was his first relationship back and, and there was just like things missing and, and she wasn't right for him. And I think if Walter and Annie's relationship had been more like that, then I would have been, I would have understood more why Annie wasn't right feeling the relationship. So I didn't dislike Victoria. I thought that she had her place in the movie and it was interesting, but you don't, you didn't like her? I wouldn't say that I particularly liked her. I thought that um, it wasn't, yes, her laugh was annoying, but it wasn't so much that her laugh was annoying was that it felt so forced. Yeah. Like, like she was like, she was like laughing for a really long time over stuff that wasn't funny. Like I was like, Victoria, like I, it was, but it was done in a way that it felt like it was like, oh my God, you're so funny. And I'm just laughing because I want you to like me instead of her being like, okay, that was genuinely funny and I'm going to laugh at it. But instead it was so like, it was so long and so forced out that I like, I couldn't, quite ever get on board with her because I felt like she not that she was fake I just felt like she was like a little desperate and yep. it yep. like it got on my nerves and I just I mean she was fine I don't think she I think she deserves like she's fine she's a fine character she seems like she's perfectly nice I'm just saying however the way that she was portrayed I thought she was very annoying because of the like ongoing laughter with things that it's like like if if I was in Sam's shoes and I was dating someone who was doing that, I would have never had a second date. I would have been like, mm, like, because first of all, one of my biggest pet peeves is people laughing at things that I say that are not like, are not supposed to be funny. You know what I mean? And they're like, and they do that, like polite laughter. I hate that polite laughter. They're like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, no, don't, if you don't think I'm funny, don't laugh. Like, that's it. That's it. I don't want you to laugh. Don't encourage me. Don't fucking laugh. <laughs> you don't find me funny. And I've just experienced too much of that in my life. So if I was dating someone and they started doing that, I, there's no way I would have asked her out on a second date. I would have been like, I can't, I can't like, good luck with you and everything. You seem like you're perfectly nice, but you are not the one for me because you annoying. Yeah. I think calling her desperate is 100% accurate. And and that makes sense. Like there has to be something like within the movie, there has to be a reason for him and her not to totally hit it off, but for her to seem nice enough. Yeah. And I think if Walter had exuded that same sort of desperation or if they had had that same disconnect, that relationship wouldn't have been as sad when she abandoned him. Cause right. I agree. Like, I think, I think, but also I think, the tropiness of the older women is in infecting Victoria as well. Like she's an older woman in the movie and now she's desperate because she's almost 40 and there's a bigger chance of being killed by a terrorist and getting married over 40. So I think that that also plays a part in that dumb statistic that they established. And so it makes her character's desperation seem even more sad almost, but I agree yeah. with you. I, I agree with you. Like, her laugh was forced and annoying because she was desperate because within the movie universe, 
women are worthless once they turn 40. So you got to beg a man and you got to get it done. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it, there's a lot of unhealthy type of those, just unhealthy type of views about women who are, you know, older or who are growing older or whatever, and the relationships that they can have, or just in general, there's like this totally unhealthy view of um, what romantic relationships should be like and how they are, you know, portrayed in films and everything. And this is a perfect example of a movie where like these people are all in, well, not all of them, but like, you know, there's a very unhealthy relationship that is being portrayed here, but it's, we're being portrayed as romantic and it is not romantic. It is, um, I mean, she has, is a stalker. Annie is a stalker, pure and simple. Like she is not, what she's doing is not cute. It's not romantic. It's not funny. It's not sexy. It's just fucking creepy. It's weird. It's stalkery. And it's, it's totally inappropriate and uh, like unacceptable behavior you know, and in, and I think that is one of the biggest reasons I have, because I, you know, I'm not like a huge romantic comedy fan. It's one of the biggest reasons I have with romantic comedies is that there's just this kind of like, just this layer of, of like upsetting sort of views on how women like are, are how people should interact with each other and that, and they're portrayed as like very unhealthy and weird and like creepy things and it's um and it's just like that's not how it should be and it's not something that you should glamorize it's not something that you should romanticize and I you know I have a big issue with that because I don't want to watch that what I want to watch is a movie where two people get together who genuinely care and love about each other or love each other and support each other emotionally and so I'm like yes this makes sense this is awesome I love this these people they they work with each other they deserve each other um and I couldn't help but think of um and I told I've talked about this movie before uh the what is it Oh, rumor has it that awful, disgusting film with Kevin Costner and Jennifer Aniston. And so at the end, Jennifer Aniston is like, after she's like had her fun with Kevin Costner and like gone on his plane and he's like super rich and whatever. And, and she's uh, engaged to Mark Ruffalo. And so she like turns back, she like returns to Mark Ruffalo and she's like, I really messed up and I'm so sorry. And like, I know it's like fucking an older guy, but like, take me back. And he's like, oh my God, of course I'll take you back. And I was like, what? You're going to take, like, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, dude, tell her she's terrible and be like, no, no, we're not. Why would you think that we're going to get back together? You absolute horrible person, you know, like anyway. And and it's just the same idea where it's like, he's just like, oh, I know. I know that like it's the same how all Walter reacted where it's this like spineless jellyfish of a moment where he's like, yeah, that's fine that you totally cheated on me and broke my heart and probably my trust for the rest of you, you know, in you for the rest of my life. But we can totally be together. And, you know, Walter's like, oh, I know you heard a guy on the radio and you fell in love. Like, how does that like that happens all the time? So it's just like, bye. Have a nice life. Like, I'll just take this, you know, ring and give it to another girl who I will maybe hopefully not have trust issues with you know, whatever. It's great. And it's, it's just this like, no, 
stop doing this. Show that there are consequences for your behavior. Like if you're a shitty person, show that there are consequences for being a shitty fucking person. You know, don't take that person back. Get angry at them for leaving you in the lurch in New York City and being a freaking terrible person. It, it's, it, it, <laughs> yeah, I think of the flippant taking back, taking your partner back when it's done too flippantly is, is a pretty very weak storyline because I think couples who do decide to maintain a relationship after something like that happens, like, I don't think you can just decide that on day one. Like, it's a lot. I imagine it being a very difficult journey back and a lot of hard work and something that could hang over your relationship for a very long time and so to just portray it as like i slipped and fell and had sex with somebody take me back okay i mean that's no (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't even it doesn't convey i think i used the term wreckage before and i think that that for me is pretty accurate like the wreckage that happens in the wake of your bad decision making is not something that you can just be like let's just pretend everything's okay again, you know? No. And in a movie like this, she left a lot of wreckage in her path. And, and now we're supposed to get on board with this happily ever after with Tom Hanks, when it would have been difficult in the moment, but so much easier if she had just, you know, ended it with Walter way before that. Yep. Yep. And, um, Obviously, that's not the movie we're watching. Like, you know, romantic comedies don't usually delve that deeply into the dramatic. But you could have, the the writers of the movie could have easily made it quite different, different enough to be more acceptable uh, for, like, me to be on her page. Like, there's just tweaks that had to be done uh, because I agree. Um, Celebration of treating people badly is, is, common in movies like this it's a hard concept to portray in this movie it's hard it's hard to get on board with them in this movie because her actions were so so obviously deplorable and they could have just written them they you know like real like i said real life is so complicated but in a movie like everything is simple you can just write it just write it simple you know right well and if if like if you're gonna have a movie like this where a woman stalks a guy down from just hearing his voice on the radio then make it a thriller yeah make it creepy like yeah don't make it a romance like i would be 100 on board with that if she dumped her her fiance at the last minute and she walked out on him and she went and stalked this guy because the movie was a thriller because i'd be like she's crazy yeah and i'm on board with this because this is now fun because i'm watching a thriller well not fun but like you go down. you know what i mean it's like ryan have you no as you've never seen her before stalker ding-a-ling-a-ling <laughs> stalker in seattle <laughs> Ooh, that's good thanks um but painting it as romantic is not is not okay no it's no yeah. Um, there's one other part that I wanted to talk about that I thought was amusing. And I think it's a testament to Tom Hanks's talent because I love Tom Hanks. And so the little girl, uh, Gabby Hoffman, the little girl, the friend mm-hmm. character of Jonah, her parents are travel agents. So she sets him up with a ticket to New York and he goes to New York. And then uh, Tom Hanks, Sam goes over to her house to ask her where his little, his son is. And her parents are like, 
just tell us where he went to. And she, and like, she has this character trait where she talks with like abbreviations. Yeah, uh, I hated that. That drove me she's nuts. Like, I thought she was such a brat. <laughs> she's like, it's Y-O-H. And Jonah's like, what? And she's like, it's your only hope. And so she's sitting there and she's kind of pouting. And her parents are like, tell us where Jonah is. And she goes, N-Y. And her dad goes, no way. And Tom Hanks goes, that's N-W. <laughs> and I yeah, really like yeah, that. Yeah. That one tiny moment, and then she's like, New York. And I was like, first of all, you're asking this little girl where the little boy went, and she says NY, and you can't figure it out. Like, NY, the most common uh, acronym or whatever, uh, you know, in the world. But anyway, uh, I thought that was funny when Tom Hanks was like, that's NW. (laughs) Like, the dad was so confident. He's like, it means no way. And like, and and yeah, and, and Sam is like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah so i, I like that little yes. moment <laughs> oh man um i did i do have to say that um the scene between annie and her mother i thought was very cute in the beginning when she's trying on the the which i i thought was like not a cute dress at all like she was like oh it's your grandmother's dress and you get to wear it and I was like not flattering take it off <laughs> you Here's know? The thing. Like I-, I actually thought that the dress kind of it wasn't flattering well I no I thought it was kind of chic and I, I thought that the movie trope of like ancient wedding dresses being currently stylish is kind of an annoying trope where it's <laughs> yeah. like here's this dress from the year 1940 and it doesn't look dated at all and it's yeah, like no, oh it's like- exactly this tile and style and tight cut of today's fashions I'm gonna be wearing this dress with no alterations like that really bothers me in movies because that's never the case your grandma was way ahead of her time, about 80 years ahead of her time right. when she got yeah. married. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I could see it being chic for like just going out on the town, but as a wedding dress, I didn't think so. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think that was very, I was like, eh, but yeah. Um, I mean, overall, I, I think that this movie's got a lot of issues and they are too big to overcome with the story that is given us, you know? So would you recommend it? I would not recommend this movie. (laughs) Um, I want to say thank you, Joelle, for suggesting it. Thank you so much. Even though I strongly, strongly dislike this movie and I would not recommend it. It was a very fun conversation and it was a really good conversation. And I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you requested it because it opened up a lot of fun things to talk about, but so thank you for that. But the movie itself, I I am not a fan of, and I probably would, I don't think I'll watch it again um, unless I was, you know, like at a party where somebody was like, you have to stay until we finish this movie, maybe, you know, but even that, yeah, you're like, oh. Oh, damn. Someone's blocking in my car. And that's the only reason I can't leave. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't think I would recommend it to anybody. Um, I think I would say if you want to see a Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks movie, Joe versus Volcano, or even yeah. You've Got Mail, probably both fun. Yeah, I think they have other movies where their um, their chemistry is better. And I think the storyline is better. But so that's how I feel about Sleepless in Seattle. Would you recommend Sleepless in Seattle? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I definitely laughed at some parts. I wouldn't say I, I like fully hated it or anything. 
it was entertaining in certain aspects, but would I watch it again? Definitely not. Not on my own. And probably not with like, like it'd have to be like a group of people, like what you said. It wouldn't be like two like of us chilling and we're like, let's watch Sleepless in Seattle. I'd be like, nope, uh, there's a million other better movies out there, <laughs> you know? I agree though. If you're going to watch a Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks movie, I think Joe versus Vol- the volcano is cute. It's a little slow, but it's a, it's a cute movie. Um, or, you know, just watch Nancy Myers films instead. And then you'll just feel so much better. Don't touch Nora Ephron. All right. So that's the end of my <laughs> thing. Anyway. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Watchers and Movies. You can follow us on Facebook at Watchers and Movies. You want to check out our websites, watchersandmovies.weebly.com. Uh, we are on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and did I, I said Stitcher and Google Play, and I always forget one. And if you are interested in us reviewing a movie, you can go on iTunes, give us five stars, and we will put your movie to the top so do that and it helps us get out there it helps us get more noticed obviously we love our listeners you know um and uh thanks so much to mike for our theme music yes you can find him on twitter at the mike show 42 his name is mike myers thank you mike and i think that's it right yeah pretty much oh we have another instagram called watchers the watchers who find things and i just posted some fun stuff on there so want to check us out um you know it's just kind of movie memes it's fun nothing nothing heavy duty whatever anyway i'm gonna go back to sleep no (laughs) maybe i'm i might be kidding i'm not sure yet we'll see how the but i gotta do homework either way so i gotta go right bye bye